Let us pray. Lord, please open our hearts, our ears, and our minds to hear your word and to do with it to better your glory on earth. In his name we pray, amen. Today's first scripture reading is John 3, verses 1 through 17, and can be found on page 93 onto 94 in the Pew Bible. Nicodemus visits Jesus. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, the, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of flesh is flesh. What is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do, know not, you do not know from where it comes or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness so that the Son of Man may be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy One, we come before you this morning, and we hear that good news from the Gospel of John that reminds us that we are received into your family through your Son, Christ. Lord, we ask that today you would form us more deeply in your way, that you would help us remember what it is to be called by you, to hear your still, small voice, to be welcomed into your temple and into your presence. And to, as a part of all of that, be awakened in the fullest sense of who you have made us to be. Lord, you have created us, you love us, you have forgiven us, and you are calling us deeper into your work of love, justice bringing, peacemaking in this world. And so today, Lord, help us tend to that call. The grass withers and the flower fades, O oh Lord, but your word stands forever. Amen. Let's look back now as we hear our second scripture reading. We're going to look at the book of Samuel uh, over the next few weeks here. And our first reading is from 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. I say book of Samuel 
um, because in some of my studies this week, I was really, I, it was helpful to be reminded that Samuel is actually a two-part epic um, that's split over two books. So the book of Samuel, Samuel 1, chapter 3. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord cried, excuse me, then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel, and he said, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went to lie down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli. And he said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time. He went and got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived what it was the Lord was doing by calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. So once more, friends, Greetings on this Trinity Sunday. Today we celebrate the, the three-in-one God is at work in the world, creating and calling and uniting God's people to move and act for the restoration of all things. We have seen how God is at work in creation, hovering over the chaos of the waters and calling forth abundant life. We have witnessed how the Spirit quickens the hearts of those who receive it, directing our loving action in the world and liberating the oppressed. Christ with us gives us hope for the renewal of our lives and our solidarity with all who still long for things to be made right. These next few weeks, we're going to now look back into the Hebrew Scriptures to see God at work amidst a messy group of people who are trying to find their way toward faithfulness and receive the presence of God that is promised to them as bearers of God's divine image. The stories will come from the book of Samuel, this two-part epic that traces the calling of the prophet Samuel the anointing of King David, and the wrestling of the people around lordship, monarchy, and faithful devotion to God. 
Modern scholars argue that the book of Samuel is to have been written in sections between the 8th and 6th century BCE. As is true of many historical works in the ancient world, the story unfolded in forms of edits over the time, telling pieces of the story of Samuel and Saul and David and Solomon, weaving a narrative of God's action among the people of Israel as they settled into their dynastic era. It is advisable that we step back from the, per the perception that this is direct history and look at it as a whole in a way of God's story unfolding among God's people and all of the struggles of human leaders to remain faithful while also courting power and strength as military leaders and kingly guides. Friends, these stories are messy. Even Samuel himself, who is often seen as the quintessential prophet judge of the early Israelite dynasty, is a conflicted individual. There is great tension in these stories. Is Yahweh king, or do the prophets and judges and kings of the world demand more loyalty? It's particularly interesting to start this sermon series over the Memorial Day holiday. This weekend, we remember the sacrifices of so many who served and fought for the freedoms and values of our nation. And yet, we are acutely aware that those historical figures and friends, even that we have lost along the way, were imperfect people. The sacrifices that soldiers make in the, is the cost of war. How do we hold the tension of honoring their legacy while also being peacemakers? History tells us that war is messy. War is costly. War is often unjust and one-sided in the balance of the power and the privileged. We have to hold this tension as we also celebrate and remember the lives of those we have lost in such conflicts and those who they saved in the, in the work. I invite us to hold this more nuanced approach as we venture into the stories of the book of Samuel. So today, we begin our study by looking at how God calls Samuel. This is honestly one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. There's something so identifiable about young Samuel and the confusion of who is calling him in this temple. We get that. We get what it's like to wonder if God is truly calling us, or if perhaps it's maybe just a bit of indigestion. We're going to explore how God is at work in this messy rise of the Israelite dynasty. Because that's the good news of it all. God is at work amidst all that is conflicted and messy. 1 Samuel chapter 3 opens by telling us that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. And what this does is it sets the stage for something remarkable. The author is telling us how rare it is that God would speak to God's people, and therefore why this encounter is of such importance. Samuel, the young temple acolyte, is learning how to be a servant of God in the temple. He's in training. 
I can imagine with the opening word on God's voice being rare that Samuel was instructed by Eli on many ways to serve and support the temple and all the activities that went on, but also perhaps was given a sense of the reality that it would oftentimes feel like God was absent. When God feels silent, it's helpful to have others to look to for clarity and support. That's a positive way of dealing with this, the way that Samuel looked to Eli for instruction. And yet there's also a struggle here. If God is seemingly absent, whose voice gets listened to in the void? Humanities? Eli's in particular? And, and we have to wonder, is that a good thing? We know from the earlier chapters of 1 Samuel that while Eli had tried to be faithful to his duties in the temple, he also had a really messy home life. His sons, in the technical term, were punks. They, the, they were breaking the standards in the temple. They were stealing food. They were enjoying the spoils of other people's devotion for themselves. And while Eli tried to set things right, God had made it clear that his line as priests were going to be overshadowed by another. This is a, is a theme throughout Samuel's narratives. The unfaithfulness of one line and God's calling of another to step in and lead. We see this with King Saul, the first king of Israel, and with his successor, King David. God moves with the messiness of one family and lifts up another family. The brokenness of these people does not deter God's movement and action. And so we find Samuel in the temple, learning from Eli, discovering how to listen to the voice of God, and being trained as a prophet. We've heard the story. Three times Samuel hears the voice in the night, calling him, Samuel, Samuel. And of course he expects that it's Eli calling out. God isn't speaking much these days, and so, of course, he looks to his mentor as the first option. Now, I want to draw attention to God's persistence in this story, as well as the struggle for clarity that both Samuel and Eli feel. Samuel comes looking for Eli, and Eli is downright confused. Go, go back to bed, he says. If you've ever been woken at night and wondered if you heard a sound outside your house, you can resonate with this confusion. I think about the times when one of us, my, my wife Stacy or I, have woken up thinking of a sound and just kind of blearily walking around the house wondering where it came from and then just deciding to go back to bed. We all know how that feels. Did we hear something? Are we making it up? Or, or think about a child coming into a parent's room with a nightmare. It was the fear real, or was it simply something that came up in their mind as they were asleep? It's very easy for us to expect the voices we hear to simply be in our heads and nothing to worry about. Go back to bed. But as the story unfolds, we find that God is persistent. The call by God upon Samuel's life is undeterred by the inability of these two people in the story to recognize it after repeated attempts. Here, friends, with the persistence of God, 
we see God call and how God is at work. God's action is outside of our action. God's voice is undeterred by our distractedness or our inability to hear it for what it is. God's call to Samuel doesn't ever change. It is Samuel and Eli who do. Now, realizing what's going on, Eli takes a risk. Remember, visions and words from the Lord as it may have been received from the patriarchs of the Hebrew people, like Abraham and Moses, these encounters were rare to say the least. But because God is persistent, it gives the people in this story time to shift their attention and take the risk at wondering upon what God is up to. I wonder how Eli felt as he shifted his instructions to Samuel that third time. Was it out of his own desire to go back to sleep that he offered a different response for Samuel? Did he think the boy was out of his mind? Did he feel the risk in himself to say, well, maybe this is the real deal? I mean, certainly it won't hurt anything. I'll just tell the boy to go respond to the voice. At least then I can go back to bed and we'll see what happens. I want to give Eli a bit more credit than all of that, though, because Eli was already humbled by the reality that his sons were not faithful and that the priestly duties assigned to his family would be passed on to another. I imagine him being somewhat downtrodden and at the same time hopeful that his young acolyte Samuel might be a hope for the people of Israel. I wonder at Eli's faith here. It seems like when all else failed, that Eli was perhaps saying, okay, let's try this. Maybe this really is from God. And this reminds me of C.S. Lewis's famous liar, lunatic, and Lord wager. Lewis posited that Jesus was either a liar, consumed with his own delusions of grandeur, and a charlatan who developed a following, or he was a lunatic, spreading the madness to the hungry a tyrant in the making? Or perhaps, when those first two ideas seemed to fall apart, perhaps Jesus was who he said he was, Lord. Perhaps he truly was Lord of life and called us all to that life ourselves. At the end of our ropes, when we just want to go back to bed, when all other possibilities are exhausted, perhaps we can find there the truth that God is actually speaking. Now, there's a sense of yielding in this decision for, for Eli to tell Samuel to go back and listen, yielding to what might seem uncertain, yielding to the possibility that we could be wrong, yielding to the hope that God is actually calling us, actually at work in our lives. So Samuel returns to his bed in the temple, and he listens. We hear the call one more time. And this time, Samuel opens up to a different possibility. 
God may actually speak to him. God may actually have a call for his life. Friends, God calls us, each of us, to vital work in this world, to service and action, to compassion and justice and empathy and connection. God calls, not always in an audible voice, through people like Eli, people who are also trying to be attentive to the voice of God's utterances, the wind of God's Spirit blowing through our lives. Now, we are certainly imperfect in our ability to discern that call. At least, I know I am, and we are a lot of the time. And when we do truly hear the whisper that says, Samuel, Samuel, we are often doubtful of whether this is truly the voice to attend to or a bit of self-talk and distraction in our minds. But when we pause and when we turn our hearts to this voice, we find meaning, purpose. We find our humanity. We find the thing that shows us our belovedness, that shows us how we bear the image of the divine as human. The invitation this morning, friends, is to become just a little bit more expectant of that call from God. It's not always going to be the first thing we hear. We need discernment. We need caution. We need wisdom. But when God calls and God's call persists, when we seemingly can't go to sleep again without being awoken by the voice repeatedly, we are asked to then shift our perceptions, to shift our posture, and to listen, to attend to what perhaps may happen, to wonder at the possibility of God calling us. So, will we be open to that possibility today? Does the voice of God, visions and prophetic oracles, feel and seem rare to you? Sure, it does for me. But we can develop a posture of possibility that God is, in fact, up to something in our lives. We can become expectant that God will show up. God will speak. And we can be assured that God is persistent. God pushes through our skepticism. God will show up and speak. And God does not stop speaking. So friends, will we change our hearts to hear that call? Pray with me. Lord, in our prayers today, we, we, we ask that our hearts would be filled with this expectation of your voice coming to us, speaking to us. And Lord, simply we ask that you would help us to be a people who, says, who say, here I am, here we are. Speak, Lord, for we are listening. God, there's so much that would cloud our, our, uh, our ears and keep us from 
from hearing your voice or, or attending to it with the patience that we perhaps need to give it. And so, Lord, we ask that you would help to pull away all that would distract and that we would feel that stirring in our hearts that would wake us from our sleep. And not only would we, Lord, hear your voice, but may we be a people who then respond and act in faithfulness, who respond as people of unity and love for one another, and respond as people who are justice bringers in the world, bringing glory to your name through the work of our hands that you have empowered us to do. God, we thank you for how much you love us, care for us, and call us persistently. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.